One of the funny things about history is that the more time goes on, the more people get turned into symbols. I mean, it makes sense, right? When you're not around to stick up for yourself, what's to prevent you from becoming a figurehead of a movement or idea you have no relationship to or interest in? You're probably aware of some of the sillier aspects of this that have happened recently. I'm thinking of last year's open letter to the Women's Prize, penned by TERFs upset over author Tori Peters' 2021 win for her novel Detransition Baby, that randomly bore signatures from long-dead female writers, such as Charlotte Perkins Gilman of The Yellow Wallpaper, Emily Dickinson, and Willa Cather. Because why not, right? <laughs> They're dead. There's also the instance of the alt-right group The Proud Boys, literally taking their name from a cut song from the cartoon Aladdin, written by gay lyricist and playwright Howard Ashman, who died due to complications of AIDS before the 1992 film was released. Or the hologram of dead performers like Tupac and Michael Jackson being used to promote shows and hawk products. The point is, we're living in a time when the past is increasingly open to interpretation and, in some cases, monetization, no matter how cringy. And as trans people, we kind of have a genius for reinterpretation. I mean, this podcast exists because of the transgender urge to reclaim history by finding ourselves inside of it. And one of the funniest instances of this, for me, anyway, is the case of St. Agatha, or as I call her, the OG top surgery bad bitch. The story of St. Agatha, as told by the Catholic Church, goes as follows. Agatha was born in Sicily around 231 AD and was hornily desired by a Roman emperor named Quintianus. As the story goes, he was so hot for her and she was so not into it that he got really mad and, after she kept rejecting his advances, basically arrested her for being a Catholic and brought her before a judge, who conveniently happened to be himself. After that, she was thrown into a brothel where she was quote-unquote assaulted and then thrown into a prison where she saw a vision of St. Peter and got tortured for a long time until she died. Still a virgin, of course, as the Catholic Church is quick to point out, sometime around 251, around the age of 20. But the most interesting part of St. Agatha's torture is that Quintianus had her breasts removed via flaming hot pincers, which is why in artworks depicting Agatha, she's often walking around with a shit-posting grin on her face, holding a tray of severed boobs like it's no big deal at all, just another Tuesday, basically. It's in keeping with a lot of other gender-variant figures from Catholicism, and if you want more context on this, please go back to Katie's Our Sacred History episode on the transmasculine saints of Catholicism to learn more. But what I like most about St. Agatha is, perhaps unsurprisingly, the artistic interpretations of her because it's there that we can see something of an actual personality shine through, albeit a personality envisioned by artists. But still, there's one painting in particular, a work dated from 1630 or 1631, by the Spanish Baroque painter Francisco de Zoroban. The painting feels strangely modern. The figure of Agatha is looking at the camera, so to speak, breaking the fourth wall to give us a sort of knowing, cheeky, almost grin, while holding her boobs aloft on a plate. There's no blood, of course. It's an incredibly clean surgery job. The boobs even retain their fullness despite having been violently detached from her body. She's looking at the viewer in an almost confrontational way, as if to say, hey, wanna get in on this shit? It's because of this that I have enshrined St. Agatha in my mind, not as the patron saint of bells, OBGYNs, breast cancer patients, and victims of sexual assault, as the church has named her, 
but as a patron saint of shitposting. Because to be honest, that's what it's serving. I got top surgery in 2012, but it had been on my mind long before that, as a thing I had wanted before I even knew it was there to want. When I was younger, I used to spend hours imagining that I could just make my boobs disappear by pushing them back into my chest, or that I could rip them off and throw them in the trash. I didn't know I was trans, but I always knew I did not want boobs. I hated everything about them and how they made me feel, how they made people look at me no matter what I wore. And it's not an exaggeration to say that before getting top surgery, I really didn't feel like I had a body. I hated it too much to even look at it in the mirror. And it took a lot of time to unlearn that. In a sense, I'm still unlearning it, I think. But even once I'd saved up enough money for the procedure and booked my appointment, the people around me tried to convince me not to have top surgery. My parents were really scared. To them, it seemed super bloody and, in my father's words, radical. They still saw me as a self-hating woman rather than a trans person, even though I'd been telling them who I was forever. And to be honest, I wasn't that happy about the prospect of it either. I was really scared of surgery. Back in the day before Tumblr or IG or Twitter, you had to go on surgeons' websites to see photos of what top surgery looked like on their patients, and they scared me. A lot of the scars looked really bloody, and it kind of freaked me out. Before I booked my appointment, my father, a Catholic, sent me a long letter about how it's good to suffer and be Catholic and accept the body that you have, and maybe not even come out, and a lot of other stuff like that. Clearly, he didn't know about St. Agatha. Or maybe it was that it was only okay to get top surgery in the Catholic Church as long as it wasn't consensual. I guess it's more that the Romans, as well as the Catholics, saw Agatha's punishment as the most humiliating thing that could possibly happen to a woman. And sure, I guess, I get that. But also, I kept thinking about the movie Aaron Brockovich for some reason. <laughs> it's obviously not a trans movie, but it is a movie about gender in a lot of interesting ways. I always remember a scene where at one point a character asks herself if she's still a woman without breasts, or ovaries, or a uterus. Which were things I'd often ask myself, obviously for very different reasons. And to any trans person watching, the answer is obviously yes. Because we know that gender doesn't equal body parts. We know it's something that can't be taken away by any surgery or anything else. It's really an internal sense of self more than a physical destination for us. But of course, cis people often feel differently, and it sometimes makes me feel sad for how limited the body is for them. For the scholar Alan J. Franson, writing about the Benedict monk Ilfric's 1990 text, Lives of the Saints, Agatha is an interesting case study in how body parts stand in for gender, sometimes in a strangely playful way. When Agatha undergoes top surgery, quote, she has transcended the female body and become, however briefly, like a man, end quote. He points out that when Agatha chastises Quintanius in the text by saying, quote, Are you not ashamed to cut off that which you yourself have sucked? End quote. She's pointing out that although her physical breast might be removed, her faith is found, in the words of Aelfric, in the internal breast. It's a weird moment of Catholic thinking actually dovetailing with trans thinking. You can try to take my gender away, but you can't because I have it right here inside of me. The true nature of her faith, Franson writes, does not lie within her outer breast, but her inner breast. That is not in her identity as a woman, which the pagan falsely assumes to be essential, but in her dedication to the true faith. Oh, so it's p 
pagans who believe in gender essentialism? Okay, sure. But you get the point. Like Shakespeare's what's-in-a-name sonnet, not to be written for hundreds of years. It's a comment about how if something is real, it can't be taken away. Which in itself is a complicated statement. Sure, as trans people we do have strong senses of self and gender, but in a world where the government is rapidly coming to take away our rights, our livelihoods, and our potential access to HRT and gender-affirming care, it would be nice to feel like the things that make our lives bearable aren't always about to be ripped from us by a world that hates us. Which again is why I like this image of Agatha as shit poster. She's holding up these boobs saying, hey, yeah, you thought I would give a shit about this? Think again. The breasts she holds are clean, as if to say, these things are just a symbol. And for me, Agatha isn't the patron saint of boobs or bells or top surgery or suffering or anything else people try to place upon her. She's actually an extremely online figure, <laughs> with that shit-eating grin, that straight-to-look head that says, I'm not afraid of you, and whatever you throw at me, I'll find a way to make it work. In short, she's everything we've been forced to become at this specific time in trans history. Resilient, creative people skilled at laughing at our enemies, finding absurdity in their insults, and maintaining our self-knowledge no matter what. And that's not to say that we're not suffering, because we are. But we're also so great at creating community and being who we are and finding ways to laugh at all the bullshit that constantly surrounds us. It's in the way people try us daily and we still come out swinging. It's in the way we see the world as an essentially hostile, absurd place to live. It's that sense of TERFs and transmisogynists as these cartoon villains who, if they took merely a second to examine themselves and their own ideas about gender, would be on our side. Because it's not religion or quote-unquote logic or whatever else that separates us. It's our way of understanding the world and history and gender and the fluidity of all things. The way things have of shifting and changing and transforming by the minute. That's what's so cool about us. That's probably why I spend so much of my time on trans Twitter. It's nice to have a place where you finally feel like you belong. Especially after such a long moment of feeling like you're crazy for seeing the world as you do. Totally Trans Minisodes is a production of the Totally Trans Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Totally Trans Pod or support us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash totallytrans. Totally Trans.